Welcome to the Clock and Talk. I'm your host, Tez, and thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading and follow us on Twitter at Clock and underscore Talk. Um, Stoke v Arsenal. Uh, and before we get into that, we'll welcome Tony. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Just enjoying my bank holiday. Nice day off work for uh, us Brits. How was your Easter? Uh... I mean, I don't eat chocolate and I don't have kids, so it pretty much didn't exist. It, I, it was amazing because football was back, but as far as it being Easter, it literally made no difference to my life. Fair enough. Well, I've, I've eaten my fair share of Easter eggs because I steal them off the kids. So. Um, and Schwinn, how are you, buddy? Uh, doing really well. Happy Easter to, to both of you and to our listeners and Passover as well. Um, I as well enjoyed a lot of chocolate. Just need an excuse to really. And uh, just glad that football is back. I watched almost every game this weekend just because I've been yearning for some football. So it's been a good weekend. Very nice, Martin. Happy Easter to you and happy Easter to Tony and all our followers as well at Clock and um, Talk. Now, let's get into this game, boys. Um Fuck, what do I say? 70 minutes of football. Um, do we fast forward it or do we want to talk about it? <laughs> but before we get into that, Tony, I will go to the lineup, mate, because that that did shock a few. Yeah, I mean, I, I was at the ground and I saw you two talking and obviously other people on Twitter, but I saw you two talking saying that you was a bit surprised by it. But I wasn't massively surprised. Um Koscielny, I was pretty sure, wasn't going to play. Um, and then it was going to be Chambers or Holding, and that, that's always a 50-50 toss-up. Uh, in the middle, Jack has played a lot of minutes and he'll undoubtedly play on Thursday. So that was, again, it was a bit more surprising, but you, you can see the sense in it. Also, you have to look at where these players travelled to, and I, and I haven't looked where these players travelled to. So some of them may have had long distances for, for friendlies and stuff. Uh, obviously, Jack and Jack and Rambo didn't have any international football, so I thought they was always sort of bankers to both play, really, because they haven't been away anywhere. Um, and then, and then the top three, um, as Urza uh, was always going to play, Aubameyang was always going to play, and well, Becky, yeah, I was I was a little bit surprised. Um, I guess it probably shows that he's not going to play on he's not going to play on Thursday. I mean, we'll get into that later. Um, but it was probably a straight toss-up between him and Mickey. And again, I mean, to be fair, I don't even know where Armenia is, and I don't know how um, who they played in their in the nationals. But it may again have just been another travel situation. And uh, commentators over here, they're talking. Czech was a little got a little bit of an injury or something during the week. Yeah, he woke up with a groin strain apparently. Okay. Um, just before we go to Schwinn, my Tony, what's your thoughts on? Because as soon as I seen the lineup, and me and Schwinn were talking about it on Twitter, and I actually, and I didn't mention it, Schwinn at the time, but does this lineup say, "Hey, I just want to secure sixth if I, if we can"? Europa, uh, Europa League will be our best. However, I'm concentrating on Europa League to get us into Champions League. Um, what Wenger's thinking? I don't know. It's not. He's, I, I don't know. It's not like he's done a Mourinho who last season completely fucked off the league and was like, I'm only focusing on Europe and made it very evident. I think Wenger's still clearly putting out teams that are good enough to win. Um, I don't know if that's because our squad's a little bit deeper or, or whatnot, but then the team he put out was obviously still more than enough to win. He still started a lot of our better players. 
um, you'd say probably six or seven of the 11 were first choice um, in, in your strongest team. I mean, you look, obviously, Czech was out, but you go Mustafi, Hector and, and Nacho all start. At least one of Jack and Rambo start. Uh, Ozil obviously starts and Aubameyang would start in our strongest team. So it's not like he's completely mm. sacked it off. But I think he's picked the team with one eye on the other game. So I think he's picked the team that's strong enough to win, but also resting players that may need a rest in terms of, as I said, I'm not sure on Mkhitaryan's travel situation. Koscielny can't play twice in a week. So he's got one eye on Thursday, but I don't think he's completely thought uh, we're, we're only focused on the Europa League. Yeah, OK. Yeah, Schwinn, what was your take on it, mate? Really boring. I mean, there was so much excitement in the build-up to the game. You know, we had two weeks of international duty, so everyone was missing the arsenal, and it felt like this was a longer international break than most. But having witnessed that first half, or basically the first 60, 70 minutes, it was it was almost as if I was missing the international break, and I wanted to do things over because... It was really boring. The players seemed disinterested and th- there was just no fluidity. Tony used the word sloppy, which I think basically summarizes the first half. Uh, we couldn't pass the ball together uh, and just couldn't find our teammates. Uh, the the Jack Ramble paradox was very interesting because I think there's no better way of, of really putting it as, as Tony did because... Jack was bright in, in moments uh, on the half turn, and he, he really looked uh, to threaten from that position, which he hasn't so far. Usually we like to like for him to play deeper, but um, he was elusive in, in that part of midfield. Uh, Mesut Ozil was almost anonymous, which is not something you say of Mesut Ozil in, in games like this. And let's face it, we were playing a team that's been struggling. Um, Stoke is battling relegation, and one could argue that they are going to get relegated missing some key players and it just felt like we didn't want to take you know that that chance to to pick up where we left off Uh, i mean we'll get to the penalty at some point but i think we caught a lucky break with that Uh, i think it's a it's a controversial decision from the ref uh i'm I'm sure you know me and tony and tez and you tez will have something to say on that but i'm just glad we picked up the three points and and can kick on from here well we'll just before we get on to the penalty tony um lacazette he came on the 61st minute, obviously. They went in the, the sheds, and Wenger couldn't talk. He'd lost his voice, so I don't know who was doing the half-time chat, but he might have just been slapping them up the back of the head and saying, have a fucking go, lads. Um, Lacazette comes on, 61st minute, Welbeck goes off. Was there a little cheer around the ground? Yeah, look, Lacazette, I mean, we can see from Twitter that Lacazette's very well liked amongst the Arsenal fan base, so... It wasn't like uh, when Iwobi came off at Brighton when the cheer was for the player going off. Uh, it was a cheer, but it was because people were, were pleased to see Lacazette back. Mm, OK. No, it was good to see him back. And um, I will get on to a little bit later of uh, a gentleman by the name of Aubameyang. Um, but the 75th minute, penalty or not a penalty, Tony? Um, no, not for me. Um I, at the time, I wasn't sure. It was kind of the other end and the other side of the pitch from me, and there was bodies running across. So you saw him go down, but I, I couldn't see a touch on the ball. So I was—I mean, I appealed for it, but when you're in the ground, you appeal for absolutely anything. Hmm. Um, so I mean, I completely—I didn't have a clue when I was in the ground, if, if I'm honest. Um, and then I watched it back last night, and I don't think it was. I can see why the refs got it wrong, but I, I still—I still think it's wrong. But. Um, 
it, it makes change to get one in our favour, um, one that's contentious. It wasn't a dive or anything like that. I just think it was a clean tackle, um, and and yeah, I don't I don't think it was a penalty. Um, Schwinn, penalty or not a penalty? I mean, I can see why the ref gave it. Um, it's a challenge from behind, and I think it was Martin Martin Zindi who got the slightest of touches on the ball. But at the same time, I think the follow through, uh, which I think Mesadozo played to his advantage, you know, sort of convinced the ref. It, it really is one of those, you know, instances where even you know, and even if you introduce VAR, it's 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 one of those because I think most of us have seen all angles possible on it, and there's there'll still be contention on it. But again, I, I can see why it's given. Um, my first instinct was penalty as well. I think there's there's little room for discussion in terms of whether it was a dive. I don't think it was a dive. I, I, there was definite contact there. But when you're coming in from behind like that uh, in the box, uh, you you got to get the ball cleanly. And you know it, it happened between uh, when when we played Chelsea and you know that uh, Bellerin on on Azard incident. It's one of, it, it's one of those sort of things where you just have to get the ball cleanly. Otherwise, you're giving the ref something to think about and that's exactly what Martins and he did yeah I agree um with you lads I think the ref had to give it um because he didn't have the AR so he's looking at it from what he saw it and and, and he's it could have gone 50 50 um but it was an interesting comment on the commentary Tony the VI if the VAR I think there was only four angles they could have looked at it anyway. There was probably another two or three angles that the commentators over here were actually saying, well, if VAR was um, here, you know, we'd nearly have to give it on the angles that we're, we're, we're watching. If it if and when VAR comes in, is it obviously going to plan more cameras? Yeah, I mean, that's why even in the... In the games that uh, in the cup games, it's only been in the in the Premier League, like with sorry the Premier League ground. So if uh, so, say for example in the League Cup semi final, it wasn't in action when Man City were away to Bristol City, but it was or could have been at Man City, but I think they decided against it because they wanted to be equal in both legs. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just so they can um, install more cameras and stuff. Um, but I mean, I don't think I don't think it overly matters. I don't think. You need ten or twelve angles. I think if something's not, I mean, like the the VAR golden rule, so to speak, is uh, clear and obvious. And if you get eight angles uh, and it's not clear and obvious from that, a ninth, tenth, and eleventh for me doesn't fit the guidelines of clear and obvious. Mm-hmm. Okay, seventy-six um, minute was the minute of the game that we all were cheering because the man, the legend. Granite Shaka, he made his appearance. Um, the roar around the crowd, Tony. Around uh, the ground? Yeah. Uh, not so much, but it came off the back of a goal, so um, a lot of people probably didn't even realise that the change had been made. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you, I'm sure you did, but, but many didn't. Well, there was a question by uh, Shree. He says, for Tony and Schwinn, I heard a loud sound when Shaka came on. Do you think it was the sound of Tez shouting with excitement? I thought it was orgasming, but it's <laughs> uh, Schwinn, you were jumping off the lounge, mate, when Shaka came on. I was, and I mean, I think the last twenty minutes proved his worth. You know, there's there's a there's a statistic in basketball uh, called plus minus that that calculates 
how many points your your team is scoring when you're on the on the court versus when you're not on the court and i think if you if you try to transpose that onto football and see how how you know i don't know if you could really measure this but if you try to calculate how good the team is in possession how fluid the team is in possession uh you could see the difference and this is nothing against Mohamed Elneny it's it's just a different skill set that that Shaka brings he's more confident in playing the ball through and looking up and and trying to find his man um for for, for Elneny he keeps you ticking but i think in that moment even though we did score uh you know before right before he came on i think he he gave the Stoke players something else to think about and uh we were not being pressed the way we were for their first 70 you could say that's down to fatigue and that's down to you know the the work rate falling a little bit but i think he just made us look like a better team and we looked more poised and we looked to threaten more as the game opened up after that first goal so for me he he's a pivotal point at this point in in this team with this with these players and uh, yesterday was as evident as it can get I agree. And uh, look, I, I've said El Nani, and I think we've all said he didn't start the season real well. I will say the last three, four games, he's been really, really solid, really well. He signed a new contract with Arsenal. Yes, we're all happy with that. But for me, he's still a squad player. Uh, love him or hate him, guys. Uh, it is what it is. Um, for me, El Nani. I don't think he was that good yesterday uh, compared to his last three or four games. And I've seen a few people, Tony, on Twitter say that, um, you know, he, he was looking at the man of the match. I would like to see how many... Um, I, I had a look at his heat map and it wasn't overly great. Um, I'd also like to see, I think he... Was a, all his passes, they just seem to go side to side and backwards. They don't go forward. When Xhaka come on, passes were going to Ozil. Passes um, were, go- were going up to Abameyang. Abameyang's sitting up there like a star bottle of piss going, give me the fucking ball. El Nani passed to Mustafi. Mustafi back to El Nani. El Nani to Chambers. Chambers to Ramsey. Ramsey to El Nani. It, it, it was just... And I don't want to criticise the bloke too much, but I, I am, I'm going to have to call it as the way I saw it. Um, Tony? Yeah, I'd, I'd pretty much agree with you. I think that someone in his position, you, you kind of want them to break up play, which I don't think he overly done in the first half. Um, the only tackle I can really remember him making was, was the booking. Um, and, and to keep possession, which he does, but... And and he did do quite well. He lost the ball a little, a, a couple of times. But I mean, on the whole, he kept the ball quite well. But when a team are trying to rush you with or or get men behind the ball, giving the ball backwards and sideways isn't something that's overly required. Um, it, it gets forward a fair bit. I mean, it, I I felt like I saw less of him getting forward yesterday than I usually do. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a, a nothing performance and that. I'm not saying he was bad. I'm not saying he was one of the worst players on the pitch. I thought he just—it was just nothing. It was just a bang average. I don't know. Mm. I don't know how you would score that. Whatever you score as average, that's what he was. He just—I don't think he made an impact on the game. Mm-hmm. No, I have to agree with that. And Schwin uh, uh, Mikatarian—he also came on. Wilshire came off. Um, 
Well, we were talking about it before we started the podcast. Wilshere was, he wasn't on today, was he? Or yesterday? Like, he, he, there, oh, no one there was. was. There were some nice little touches with Wilshere and some little turns and that, but there was, it wasn't a Jack Wilshere kind of game. I think that's, it's a tad bit unfair just because, you know, if you just talk about Jack, then yeah. But my, my question to you back would be that who was, you know, I mean, in the first half, no one made a name for themselves. As Tony said, that despite Jack and Rambo looking the ones who were going to threaten, they were also the ones who were giving the ball away the most. You know, I mean, our play was coming through them, of course. So that would, you know, the law of averages kicks in that you will end up giving balls away. But it just felt like nothing was happening for our players. Uh, whether that's down to the tactics, whether that's down to, you know, selecting this improvised lineup. Uh, I'm not sure what it was. Of course, there was a two-week break in play. But I don't think it's just to do with Jack. I think, as I said earlier, that, you know, he was good on the half turns. He was very good in, you know, in moving away from players that were marking him. And he did create a couple of chances. I I know he passed the ball square once to Aaron Ramsey. He got a shot off. Uh, which was a decent chance. But I don't think it's fair to label that just on Jack because if you just look at every player, I think you can say that about them. I will say on El Nenny real quick, though, that he did have a chance uh, in early in the second half before he was subbed off, uh, yeah. you know, that came from a Hector Bellerin pass. And he was pretty much point blank. And that attempt that he took on essentially summarizes El Nenny. Again, it was a very safe attempt. He's about 10 yards out. And, you know, he just tries to square it right into the corner. That, that's a moment where you just want to blast the ball into the top corner. You know, if, if you don't have the confidence or if you don't have the conviction to do that from there, there's something wrong because you, you, you cannot possibly miss the shot or, you know, have it blocked from there despite having five bodies in front of you. And that sort of tells you all you need to know about El Nani, that he'll come in and do a job, but you would rather have him in your team 1-0 or 2-0 up as opposed to starting the game because he doesn't bring that edge. And that's fine, but if you're a squad player, then you know that's what you got to do. You got to come in later and, and clean, clean shit up. And I, I think we missed Shaka desperately yesterday. And if it wasn't for that lucky penalty, I'm not sure how things would have turned out. I'll get you to um, answer this question before I go to Tony. Uh, switch Jack and Ozil around, do you think it would have made a difference? I mean, it's it's tough to say because it's it's such a big hypothetical. But uh, what, I'm, what, I'm, what, I'm get, what I'm getting at is is do you think Jack is more of an is a better number ten than where what Ozil would be in that position? Um, just in a general basis, you've got El Nani and Ramsey playing back. I, I, I feel personally Ozil probably creates a bit more of a chance, but Jack on that that side, I'm not overly sure sure about either. Yeah, I agree with you. I would rather have, you know, Jack in the middle of the park, uh, despite preferring Ozil in the middle of the park. But if you're having if you're playing both of them in the team and if we already have two holding midfielders, then I would I would throw Jack in in the center of the park uh, as as a ten as well. Uh, it's a different debate whether all three or four of them can play in the same team together. But I, I've never preferred Mesut Ozil on the wing. Um, it leaves our our right back very much isolated. And we don't make the most of him. You know, when you have a player of, of Mesut Ozil's quality, you want to use him and you want to exploit that talent as much as possible. Mm. Having said that, I would still have Jack in the middle just because I think that makes us a better team overall. Mm-hmm. Tony? 
Yeah, I mean, I've always hated Jack as a 10. Um, as much as I like Jack, I think he's completely wasted at 10. Um, it's a bit of a, not a loaded question, but is Ozil a better 10 than Jack? Yes, but I think the team is better uh, if they're both to play and Ramsey's to play as well. I think the team are better with with Ozil drifting from the right loosely and Jack at 10 than they would be with Jack on the right and, and Meza at 10. Um, even though Meza is a better 10, but just looking at the team as a whole. Um, I mean, the start of your question was about Jack's performance yesterday, and I agree with Schwinn that I think it'd be unfair to, to single him out again. He was nowhere near our worst player. Did he stamp a huge impact on the game? Not really, but I don't think anyone overly did until after the first goal, and then Jack came off at that point. And then I think the game just opened up, and it was easier to have an impact. Um, so, yeah, Jack did... Uh, was was more positive, but he probably had a bit more time and space to pass the ball forward than El Nenny did, um, and a bit more. Uh, want, he wanted to do that more than El Nenny did because it's more in his game. So I think it's it's on the first seventy five minutes. You you can only judge Jack on the first seventy five minutes when he was on the pitch at the same time as others because you can't compare him to the people that were playing essentially a different game with loads of time and space because that wasn't the game he was in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as well, as much as I've sort of criticised the idea in the past, I think the uh, Bamiyang on the left but being so direct and literally only running towards the goal um, scared them because every time he came short, there was a huge gap in behind. And we exploited that very well. Ozil went over to that side of the pitch and, and was threading balls through. Uh, I mean, we haven't covered it yet. And that, that's we will, a, but, uh, yeah, we will. But that's really, uh, you bring up a good point. Abameyang, when he went to that left, mate, he really fucking surprised me. Um, because we've spoken about it before and gone, well, out of Lacazette and Abameyang, you only got to look at what Abameyang done at Dortmund to go, he's a fucking striker. So that that I was really shocked and a bit surprised about how, how good he did come on that left. Uh, I think, to be honest, I think Stoke, it may be um, combined with them tiring a little bit or pushing for trying to get the three points because they felt they was on top because suddenly there was early on in the game they didn't particularly care what our players done they were sitting deep mm. and then I don't know if it was a bit of confidence or, or whatnot but they they pushed up a little bit and it allowed Aubameyang that, that space to run into because I mean all he done essentially was, was running straight lines mm. um, he, he ran straight in behind and I think early on in the game there wasn't or earlier on in the game there wasn't that space to run into. And, and for whatever reason, the game opened up. Um, it's like that ball, the chance he missed, um, early on in the game, that, that would never have been on because they, there just wasn't that space in behind the defence or, or very, very rarely. So I don't know if you can look at them tiring or, or whatnot, but he, he did a good job out there. Um, but I, I don't think that would have worked for the first hour of the game because they just weren't coming out. There was no space in behind to, to play that ball into I don't want to harp on it too much, and, and I'll make this the last question on that first first 70 minutes. Elneny, Ramsey, Ozil, Wilshere, Welbeck. What difference could he done with them with them players on the pitch? Different formation, changing players around, um, and only using them 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 players that were that did start, or was it just a day where they just weren't on? Yeah, I think you've got to go down to that. I mean, look, that's a, it's essentially a team that has played, or as an attacking unit anyway, has, has played many, many games for us. Um, I just think they weren't really on it. Stoke, 
I mean, I don't really like giving them credit because I hate them. I hate the place. I hate everything about them. But uh, <laughs> when I watched it back after getting home, I thought they were actually quite good in the first half. Not in terms of quality of the ball, but they just they didn't give us any time to rest or to make a decision. And and they were always going to tire because it wasn't just a lot of running they were doing. It was a lot of sprints. Every time a player got the ball, they were sprinting at him. Mm. And I mean, I lost count of the amount of times that Ndai made fouls just from... He wasn't even particularly making a tackle. He just sprinted at someone and didn't stop in time and just ended up running into him after the ball had gone. Um, and, yeah, that's always going to cause tiredness when you're heavily sprinting. But I think they did make it very difficult for us early on. Uh, the first half to the first hour of the game, probably. Um, but but once, mm. once they tired, then then it allowed us space to pass. But it showed. I, I mean, it's not only Jack. I can't remember a time in the game that Urzel, uh, early on anyway, in the first hour, that Urzel had any time on the ball, that that any of them, that Jack, Ramsey, none of them had time on the ball. And I think that shows why they were all giving away very, very sloppy passes early on. It was just because the Stoke players weren't really, the back four stayed in a shape and everyone else just seemed to sort of sprint at the ball. Um, then we got a goal. Abameyang gets his second in the 86th minute. I'll go to Schwinn. I can't remember where that come from, though, who the assist was. But one thing I did note, um, Abameyang scored the goal. And then did you see Lacazette? He can't, he was the first up there to, to um, you know, give, give Abameyang a hug and congratulations. And it continued on. Every other player come up. Lacazette was the last player to, to give him another bloody pat on the back and leave. And I thought... A lot of media have beaten up and said Abameyang and Lacazette aren't getting on. And I looked at that and went, and then we'll get on to the next bit in a minute. But I thought, fuck, these players, the, you know, they're getting on all right. There's no dramas there. But but what was your take on it, or Schwinn? I mean, it could be just an accident because Lacazette was the closest. But as you said, that even the last pat on the back was from Alex once again. And I think you're exactly right that it's, you know, the media needs something to write about. And that's the obvious thing when it comes to our squad. You know, you bring in a 50 million striker and then you go out and bring in a 60 million striker. So any, I mean, logic does dictate that, you know, there might be a little bit of friction. There might be some increased competition. But even after the game, the social media activity, of course, the last goal we scored, you, you can see that those two have warmed up to each other. And, uh, I mean, Pierre showed some real class when it came to, you know, the final goal that we scored, even though Lacazette is the one who earned that penalty. But if it was Lacazette who was on a hat trick and, you know, Aubameyang is the one who won the penalty, I don't know how things would have gone. But I think it just shows some synergy. It shows some harmony in the team that we've lacked, uh, you know, especially uh, when we had Sanchez in the team. There's, there seems to be the, this team spirit around. We've added someone like Mkhitaryan to the squad, who's also very much a team player. He's willing to play in different positions. And uh, I think all in all, it, this this window really treated us well in that regard because we we were seriously lacking this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another place I think where we should mention Mohamed El Nani because he is a top professional, and I think he's earned that contract based on his professionalism. We we can argue about his qualities, his traits, his skill sets, but I, I think if there's one thing we cannot argue about is is how much he likes playing for the club and how much he plays for the badge, as as cliched as that might sound. So I think all in all, uh, the dynamic of the team is really shifting in our favor, and I just hope that 
you know, this is something that propels us even further forward as the, the Europa League kicks on and, you know, whatever we have left in the Premier League, we can salvage from. No, I agree. I agree. And, and um, if we haven't lost the Egyptian followers, um, I, I actually do like El Nani, but for me, yeah, he's just not a, a first-team player, but I love what he brings to the club. Um, and I love his attitude. And I'll tell you one thing I do love is his tweets. <laughs> they are a classic. Um, so that was we, a turning point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was. Yeah. Um, so then the 89th minute, and we'll go to Tony. Penalty or no penalty first? Oh, as clear a penalty as you're going to get. Yeah. I can't understand anyone that even questions it. Swin. 100% penalty. Just laid into him from the back. I don't know what the defender was thinking there. <laughs> Did you see how he picked the ball up and he's going, oh, what's the... <laughs> it's fucking just and North let's not forget. <laughs> Let, let's not forget, there was a bit of a delay in the decision, at least yeah. that's what it seemed like on the telly. I'm not sure what the ref was thinking there because if he hadn't given that, that would have been a howler. You know, I mean, we would have won the game 2-0 at that point. But still, you know, you got to get those decisions correct. I mean, but by... I mean, there's no way you get that wrong. And credit to Lacazette for, for finishing the penalty. It's never easy to take the second penalty in a game because, you know, the mind gains kick in. You don't know which side the goalkeeper is going to jump considering, you know, he jumped the, the, on, on towards his right. Uh, so it's always tough to step uh, step up. And, you know, when you've been handed the ball by someone, then there's a, that added pressure as well. So back from injury, uh, allegedly low on confidence. Good for him. Good for him and Aubameyang, as we alluded to. And... Uh, just let's just hope that he can kick on because we'll we'll need him in the Europa League. Tony, um, I think it was you who tweeted out to our friend Kevin Campbell, and you said, uh, "Would you have give that uh, penalty to Lacazette if you were playing?" And and he actually turned around, due credit, and said, "100 percent." Um, that was good to see, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have done it. Um, I've spoke to, <laughs> nice uh, trick, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I've, I've spoke to a few people about it, like players as well as like, of all levels, of well, not Premier League, but players that have played in the football leagues, players that play semi-pro, people that play Sunday League football, and I don't know anyone that would have given it. Um, I was just listening to the radio as I was driving home, and uh, they had some former Premier League strikers on there, or some uh, Matt Jarvis who played for England. And everyone said no, not a chance in hell I would have given it. I, I was amazed. I was really, really surprised. Um, it's not a negative. Negative. I'm not trying to criticise anyone. I was just amazed he done it. Um, good penalty by Lacazette, tucked it away. But yeah, I was, I was really, really surprised. And uh, yeah, um, obviously Kevin said that he he would have given it. Um, that's nice to read. Be interesting to see him in that situation though. <laughs> um. Lacazette now, let's hope he can carry on. He, he'll definitely start Thursday over Welbeck, you think? Uh, oh, yeah, I'm going to change my mind. Well, not change my mind, I'm going to change what I think. Uh, two weeks ago, I said I would. I fully expected Welbeck to start, but I thought Lacazette was very good for the, the 30 he was on yesterday. Hmm. Um, what needs to happen is he needs to continue playing like that and running away from defenders instead of coming short all the time. Um, a few chances we had came from him from him uh, running in behind. As I said, it's not, you don't always have to get the ball, but sometimes you're just gaining 40 yards and winning a throw on, or or you're getting the ball out wide and you're not really a danger to goal, but you, you've gained your team 40, 50 yards. Um, so 
Yeah, but, as but long when, as he keeps that up, I, I don't want him to, to start and drop and and then go back into dropping into midfield and and giving us no focal point because you'd assume it's going to be Mkhitaryan and Nozil behind whoever the striker is, which we now assume will be Lacazette. Um, and neither of them are going to run in behind. So if Lacazette stops doing that, we're literally just not going to be able to stretch the pe- pitch at all. And uh, one of uh, CSKA centre-backs is about 300 years old. So you want to get him running as much as possible. So if you're coming short, it doesn't really... He may find time and space, but it's not a threat. Um, did you notice where Stoke defenders were, though? Were they up or back? No, I mean, there was there was space, um, especially after the first goal, but it's just intent to make them run. You can still try and run in behind um, of a deep defence. I mean, even look at... I mean, I know we was terrible, but look at Aubameyang at, at Brighton away. He would lay the ball off and mm. spin in behind straight away or spin wide and, and give their defenders something to think about. Even, you could say, Welbeck in, in arguably both legs against AC Milan, well, more the second leg, there wasn't masses of space in behind, but because he wasn't just staying central, he was giving them something to think about. He was running out wide and standing next to the fullback. He was going in behind. He was mixing up his movements. And that's what it is. You just don't want to let people settle. Because all of these are good professionals, and once they're settled, um, it showed early yesterday. Like Ryan Shawcross is, he's very good in the air. He's very strong in the tackle, um, but you get him out of his comfort zone, and he's not the best. And in the first 60, 65 minutes, we didn't challenge him. We didn't take him out of that comfort zone, mainly because we couldn't get the ball forward because we couldn't pass to each other. But once we could, we we strung some passes together. Suddenly, you see Shawcross stretched all over the place because you don't let him get in that rhythm where he can just stand there and header everything or kick everything that's in front of him, including players. Okay. Um, yeah. Sorry, I was just thinking what Tony was thinking. was saying, um, yeah, no, I do agree. I just, I, I want to have a look back. Before I go, Schwinn, I want to have a little look back, though, Tony. At Lacazette's poor games, is it when the defenders sit back Further, and they just don't allow him that space. Or, and that's just what I noticed yesterday. I noticed the Stoke defenders were up a little bit, and that was more because at that stage, I think they were they were going for it. They they didn't have a choice. They pretty much had to go for it. I and I, I like I like Lacazette. Um, I, I don't want to write him off by any means. I, I really want him to succeed at the club. But do you get that feeling? that when their defenders sit back? I think the issue, for, look, he does struggle with a deep defence, and most strikers do, especially ones that aren't big or aren't, aren't likely to win headers. The issue for me is if you're playing up front on your own um, or, or as a lone striker, when the ball goes, um, when, when the defence are, are sat deep, you've got to be in the box because you ain't going to score from anywhere else. And I think the issue is where he comes short, and I've said it a million times, wants to fill the ball, then he may feel off and he'll play a lovely layoff out wide because he is technically a good footballer. But then he's the one that's meant to be in the middle and he's not there he's nine not times there. out of ten. So mm. you look, I mean, look, my my problem with him, and I've always said it, is that he's not a big enough of a goal for it because he does come short, lays it off and then doesn't bust the gut to get into the middle of the middle of the goal and look I know he's not going to beat these people in the air nine times out of ten but you could come for a pullback or again I don't want to keep comparing the two but look at again Brighton away a Bamingang scored a tap him from oh, I mean saying that it was a very good finish but he was in the six yard box whereas 
in general, Lacazette doesn't get himself in them positions. He'd be on the edge of the area or maybe 25 yards out looking for someone to play that ball to. So, yeah, it is a lot harder to play against a deep pack defence, but I just don't like the positions he takes up um, when he's playing against them deep uh, pack defence and gets starved of the ball. Yeah, okay. No, fair call. Um, Schwinn, who was your man of the match? No one. <laughs> I mean, it was such a insipid performance that I think giving anyone the man of the match was is very hard. I mean, if, of course... When you look at the last goal, you have to give it to Aubameyang just because of the class he showed and because of the teamwork he showed. But, I mean, in reality, I don't think anyone really stood out for me. So uh, it's it's a really tough call, personally speaking. I mean, obviously, uh, Ramsey got it uh, on on the TV, but I'm not sure if if I could really make a make a an informed decision when it comes to that. If I'm honest, Tony, who is your man of the match? Um, it, is, it is a tough one to call. I heard, obviously, Ramsey got it on Sky Sports as I was coming out of the ground, and I had to ask uh, Schwinn last night, or I asked you two, but Schwinn answered and said Ramsey got it, because I kind of, I just can't see why. Again, I'm not saying he was poor, but he definitely wasn't, oh, for me, he wasn't better than anyone else. I think with a game like that, when it is as bad as it was, you've got to look at the match winner, essentially. Aubameyang's got two goals. He's given a penalty away for the hat-trick. Had he got a hat-trick, I don't think anyone would even question about giving him man in a match mm. he's essentially given a hat-trick away so for me it was him I will say one name I haven't heard mentioned at all who I thought was was very good was Callum Chambers um, yeah I was going to mention his name yeah he was pretty good yeah I mean he, he just he, he, again I, I'm not saying he was excellent he just he just done his job he he was never he never looked suspect defensive, <laughs> defensively he was never in trouble and he just kept the ball ticking over I've seen people uh, say Mustafi was good and Mustafi gave the ball away quite a bit and made some what I'd like to call like Hail Mary tackles. But oh, you only yeah. usually have to make them tackles if, you're, if you've made a mistake in the first place or if you're out of position. Whereas I think Chambers just done everything simply. So nothing, it didn't look like he made any amazing last-ditch tackles, but that's because he never put himself in the position, position to have to make them tackles. So Chambers, he had that uh, chance to score a goal. And <laughs> he didn't even know. I don't think he ever realised, to be honest. <laughs> Um, yeah, the flick on at the front post fucked yeah. him, I think, because you see where the ball hit his, hit his leg, not even his foot. It hit it. Yeah. I think he wasn't expecting the flick on, and he went for the first ball, and then obviously the angle slightly changed by the flick on. There was another point in the game, and I just can't remember it was whether it was the first half or second half. Abemiang did have a chance, um, but... I thought it was wasn't it wasn't the greatest of chances. The commentators were saying here that he basically gave a goal away. He should have scored it. Now, do you remember that one? Just yeah, it's from the Özil through ball. But it was half. yeah yeah second half the through ball yeah you think yeah you think I mean not? first off that ball is in the top three passes you'll see this season. It was absolutely outrageous. Um, I think that he should have scored. Um, but we know he likes to try and dink it over the keeper, and obviously Butland knew that because Butland stayed up, mm. um, stayed up really late, um, and obviously it worked out to be a good save. I think as well with Arsenal, we're so used to seeing that if that kind of ball is played, that striker opens their body, and I mean I'm going to call it the Omri finish, but we've seen time and time again we've seen players do it, do it for Arsenal over the years, be it. Van Persie from the other side, Adebayor tried to learn it, Walcott was okay at it. So I think we was all just expecting him to open in his body and put it in the other side, but that's not what he does. Um, and as I said, I think I think Butland obviously read him, 
the issue is with what Butland done. If Aubameyang just rolls it in softly, Butland looks like an idiot for st- for staying up. Hmm. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, I think he should have done better. Uh, he should have scored. Um, but I just I, I just don't want to take away from the pass. I think it's up there with the only better pass I can think of this season was De Bruyne done one against someone. I think it was against Stoke as well, actually. Um, he played a pass, I think, to Sane that was outrageous. But that, that ball was on a different level, and I'm sure Schwinn is also going to wax lyrical about it. Go on, Schwinn. Go on. Delicious, wasn't it? I mean, at, at nil-nil, <laughs> dropping deep and just <laughs> just threading the ball through. I mean, I was screaming at the telly when Aubameyang didn't score, but I think Tony's exactly right that Butler knew what Aubameyang was going to do. If the game ended nil-nil or, or worse, uh, us you know conceding late on, then I'd be pulling my hair out uh, for not converting that chance. But considering how things went, I don't think there's much to complain about. But it just shows you what Mesodozel can do in a game that he didn't really impact that much. You know, he he did get a feel for the ball a lot in the second half, but that was after the fact, and it just shows you what Mesodozel is really capable of. Um, just quickly, so my man of the match was Shaka. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> um, because without him, <laughs> we wouldn't be three, we wouldn't have won three nil, so. <laughs> nah, um, actually, uh, it is fucking tough, but I'm actually gonna say Ozil, and that brings me to my next point, because we've been, um, each week, what, did Ozil do much? Um, oh, I can't even remember what we called it now. Schwinn, we were saying. The Ozil watch? Ozil watch, yeah, yeah. Was he was he bloody on or was he off? So I'm actually going to say this week, I thought he was on. Like that, that ball he, that ball was was class. It was, it was gold. Um, but I actually did, in a team that weren't real good. He actually was that little bit of light. Ramsey at times was, but Ozil for me was was the man of the match. Um, Tony? Um, It's a tough one because if you look at the 90 minutes as a whole, I don't think he played well, but if you look at moments that had big impacts in the game, he was was involved in them. Obviously, he played that ball to Aubameyang at 0-0. He won the penalty to make it 1-0. Um, what I will say is even when he was bad in the first half and, and to an extent when he was quiet in the second half his set piece delivery yesterday was on the money it was perfect every single time the second goal comes from uh, I know there was a flick on but it comes from his corner finding exactly where it was meant to be for the front post flick on hmm. the Chambers chance you just mentioned again his corner found the front post flick on he had a few set pieces in the first half Not not um, there were crosses from free kicks from quite far out not not corners but every time we ended up getting ahead on it and obviously they didn't go in and they went for goal kicks. But I thought even when he was poor, it showed his quality that he had moments in the game that, that could have completely turned the game. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a tougher one to, to judge than normal because he didn't have a, a great game as a whole 90 minutes, but he had some excellent moments. I, I will just say quickly, I don't think that was more... Him, though, I think that was more where he was playing. Um, and that's where I get back to where we were talking earlier. If he was playing the number 10 role, I think he would have had a bit more of an impact on the game. Um, than I don't think it matters. I think he decides himself to play 10 anyway. He's loosely on the right side on the formation. But, I mean, you look, 
so Jack was still on the pitch when Aubameyang missed that chance, but Ozil hmm. essentially played the through ball from left back. Again, when we won the penalty, yeah, Jack was still on the pitch, but Ozil won it on the left side of the area. So I think that formation very, very loose. I don't think saying Ozil playing in 10 at 10 would have made a difference because I think he essentially does anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schwinn? For me, he was off. Uh, I mean, I think you guys were a little kind to him, if I'm honest. Of course, he produced some some bright moments, but uh, I don't think he had a good game by any means. I mean, you brought up the fact that he was playing on the wing, but I think that he's sort of grown into that a bit because considering how single-footed he is, that I think he likes having that that you know that wide array where he can play a ball through. If he's playing in the middle, then more more times than not, his his ball is going to go towards the left wing, uh, especially if you know uh, if he's receiving the ball and then turning. He doesn't turn towards his uh, uh, with his back towards the goal. He doesn't turn left a whole lot. More often than not, he turns right. So I think you guys were a little kind to him. I will say though, apart from the ball that he played to Obama Yang, my favorite Methodosal moment came when he laid into Hector fucking Bellerin because. I was so pissed off by his performance yesterday. Apart from that one pass he played to Mohamed Elneny that we uh, spoke about, I don't think he did a single good thing. Uh, in the second half, when Shakiri hit the post from, from the corner, uh, we had a break on our hands. And Jack released Hector, uh, and there were, I think, three stroke players back. And Hector was one-on-one with Glenn Johnson, who was in his 30s, and there's no way he could have kept up with him. And what Hector decides to do there as is the case that Hector mostly does, is just wait and play a square pass and, you know, the, the attack fizzled. I mean, when when that incident happened where Mesut Ozil told him that you talk a lot, I think that was one of my favorite moments of this season because it showed leadership. It showed Mesut Ozil proving his critics strong that he doesn't care. And I think that's one of the things that I want to see more from our players, whoever it may be. Uh, but if you just look at his performance, uh, I was I was not at all happy. I was not at all satisfied. Again, the moments were there, but you expect much better from a from a player of his quality. I think for me, sorry to buy in, Tess, but I think for me, I think the sign of a the sign of a top player is is when they are bad. And I agree with you on that extent that he wasn't good. That they still have their moments. So I'm I'm saying it was a hit because he had their moments. I, I don't think as it, again. It's similar that if you judge the whole 90 minutes, I don't, I don't think he was good. But if you can be bad and still have such influential moments, playing an outrageous ball, brilliant set pieces, getting essentially a hockey assist, uh, should have had another one, um, should have had an assist when for that Aubameyang pass. I think if you look at it plainly like that and say, oh, this guy had a bad day, but he, he played a world-class ball that should have got an assist. He got a hockey assist. He won a penalty. Uh, someone missed an open goal from four yards from what would have been a hockey assist from him. You kind of think, if you just look at them facts, you go, oh, that's not bad. So I think for me, if you can perform badly and still have them moments, I find it quite hard to criticise. I think if De Bruyne would have done that, they'd be going, oh, that's a sign of a, a top, top draw player when they have a bad day and they can still influence the game in such a big way. I think you even had a shot on goal too. Uh, yeah, that was for Wasn't the second him. goal as well. Yeah, It was a massive camera save. Butland could have caught it, but it looked better on TV that he dived, tipped it around from the corner and then we scored. But yeah, that was that was an Ozil shot, and that's what, that's where I get back to. You you gotta have a look at what Ozil did. Like, I, I yeah, for me, he's still the man of the match. Um, Abemyang would have had that. Like, okay, Tony said, and I don't want to repeat what Tony just said, but you you said earlier that fucking Abemyang probably would have scored that. So there's an assist and a hat trick for Abemyang. 
Um, Chambers, that come from a set piece on the corner. And there was one more, wasn't there? So he would have nearly had three assists to his name. Not a bad effort for a bloke who didn't do much. I mean, could have been five if you think about it, because we got a set piece twice, a carbon copy essentially, where Mesodozel swung the ball from the left wing and Callum Chambers both times uh, skied his header. Again, it, it's not – It's not that, our conversation is a testament to Mesodozel's quality because we expect so much from him. Uh, I think the 3-0 scoreline is a, is a bit flattering to us, if I'm honest, and – I think if we had won the game 1-0, then, you know, you, you you cannot talk about almost. You have to talk about what happened and if that actually materialized into something. You want him to get on the ball more. You want him to, to string more passes together uh, when he is floating inwards. You know, if we want him to play number 10, then we want him to, to play those uh, give-and-goes and, and make things happen. When he goes to the ground, he's, he's slow to get off, uh, get back to his feet and chase the ball back anyway. So I'm not taking anything away from him because he definitely made his tick and maybe he was the reason we won the game yesterday. But I think it's just a testament to how much we are, are expecting from him and how much we're reliant on him, if I'm honest. Because, I mean, one of the reasons Hector Bellerin is so prone to passing the ball square is because Mesodozil is around him all the time. Why wouldn't you pass the ball to him? Um, so, again, he's one of my favorite players. I preach Mesodozil all the time, but... I have to step back and be, you know, be objective here. And I think it was one of his uh, not worse, but below average performances, despite having those moments. Okay, so you can get Schwinn at Schwinn AFC and take that up with him. Um, just quickly, though, um, you were hammering Bellerin earlier. Um, I want to ask you guys, has he got slower or something? Because there was one point there where I'm sure he could have went a lot quicker and probably had a good chance at either creating something for Bamiyang or getting I just I'm fucking hopeless memory but you remember Schwinn he was on the attack and he, he went round there was another player there and um, I'm sure he could have went round and I thought fuck his Bellerin got slower so many times I mean I think you're being kind when you say the once I mean, Tony's been talking about how he doesn't necessarily rate Bellerin. And I think yesterday's performance, if if that's the only performance you see, I think anyone in the world would agree with Tony. Uh, I, I want him to succeed, just like any other Arsenal player. But yesterday, he was so frustrating. And I think your question is spot on whether – I don't think he's lost his pace. I do wonder whether he's been told not to go full tilt because we're a little short in that position. Uh, Niles has slotted it and, you know, sort of made a case for himself. But – I cannot help but imagine that Arsene Wenger doesn't want to play Niles there week in, week out. So it could be a way to, uh, you know, make sure that Bellerin doesn't get injured. Another aspect of this is that when you have Mesodozil who's drifting inwards a lot, then Bellerin has to maintain position and he cannot go very high up the wing. But when you have that opportunity to, you know, to run at defenders and uh, knock the ball forward and then run onto it, you don't see that at all from him. And 70 minutes in, you know, we've had an insipid performance. Someone has to take the, you know, take the the onus on themselves and try and make something, especially when you're on a break. I mean, that one incident, as I said, against Glenn Johnson, there's no way in hell Glenn Johnson is catching up with him. Glenn Johnson couldn't even foul him if he wanted to at that moment. But I, I mean, I don't want to say it's confidence because it's I think it's a lazy answer. I think 
it's it's disinterest. I mean, I'm I'm almost accusing him at this point. But when you see Mesut Ozil's reaction, you see it's it's lazy playing. You know, everyone in the stadium knew Mesut Ozil was offside when Hector Bellerin played him the ball, and then he's talking back at him. So I I love that moment when you know he tried to hold him accountable and make sure that you know he d- he doesn't talk shit when he's making the this glaring the most glaring of errors. He has to improve because we will be reliant on him because we don't go behind the last defender or, or, or we don't have wingers. So we need our fullbacks to step up. And you would obviously expect that from Bellerin considering he's the quicker of him and Nacho. So I hope he, he takes these these moments professionally and not personally and tries to improve his game because that's what Mesodoza was trying to make Bellerin do essentially. So he was your worst player yesterday, Bellerin? Again, I, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, just put it all on him. Uh, he definitely frustrated me the most. Um, but to just call him the worst player, I don't. I, he didn't do anything wrong. Again, he was safe, you know. So it's it's tough to say he was the worst player, but he definitely made me pull my hair hair out. That's for sure. Tony, who was your player that frustrated you, as Schwinn says? Um. I don't know. I don't think there was anyone that was stand out bad. Uh, look, I, I don't like Jack at 10, but I don't think he was the worst performer on the pitch. It's still frustrating because you know what he can do. Uh, again, I don't like Welbeck on the left because he's not as much of a nuisance. And I'd say he literally, Welbeck done nothing in the 60 minutes he was on the pitch. Boom, that's my man. Him. That's my man, yeah, Welbeck. <laughs> yeah, I, I would choose him, but I, I think that's more the position he, he was played more than anything against him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Where do you put him there? What do you do? No, I mean, in that team, he shouldn't be starting. If if Welbeck isn't playing as a nine, don't play him. Hang uh, on. For me, it's but, as simple as that. But but who would you prefer, Welbeck or Awobi? No, but Mkhitaryan was there. Oh, yeah, he was on the bench. Yeah, okay. Yeah, true. Mkhitaryan could have played there. Yes, interesting. Um, okay. No, fucking, you've got an answer for everything, haven't you? I'm so, I can't help being right all the time. <laughs> okay, let's. Uh, anything else on the game, boys? Um, well, we've pretty much covered it and summed it up. Uh, no, I think think that's me done. Cheers, Schwinn. You too. You too. Yeah, look, just this, look, and if you didn't watch the game. Uh, my young bloke, he's a Chelsea fan, and I won't get into that, but he basically said, oh, Arsenal uh, got a good win, 3-0 over Stoke, well done. And I said, uh, yeah, but if you actually watch the game, we we're very lucky it wasn't a 1-0 win. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't a 3-0 it wasn't a free nil game. <laughs> no, no, so. Okay, I want to talk, Tony, about Jack Wilshere's contract. What is fucking going on? Uh, no new updates, and I, I maintain that I what I've been saying all along. He will not sign what's 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 been offered. He's been offered more elsewhere um, by numerous clubs, some of some above us in the league, um, which may surprise some people. Um, he's he's a, he's a pretty much a safe bet, and I go back to what I said last week about the the main reason that I've seen Arsenal fans saying he doesn't deserve more in general hasn't been his quality. Until the last couple of weeks, I think because they think he's not going to sign a contract, we've seen a lot of people suddenly criticise his quality. But a month ago, everyone was saying, oh, he's quality, but maybe he doesn't deserve more money because of his, his injury issues. But I, again, I go back to what I said last week, that 
he hasn't been injured for a long, long time. He missed two England friendlies. But let's be honest, England played on the Tuesday. He trained with Arsenal on the Wednesday. So how injured was he? Probably not very. Um, he didn't go off yesterday due to fitness. He, he could have carried on. Um, so I, I can kind of see where Jack's coming from in terms of injury shouldn't be an issue. And I know people are going to come back and say, yeah, but what about the three years he got paid big money while we didn't play? And I agree with that. But the thing is with football, is football is in the here and now, not in the what happened three years ago. Um, so Jack will be looking at his fitness as I've not missed a game since I've come back into the team um, or not missed a game that I couldn't have played. Um, if he, I mean, if he didn't, it, you just say about the here and now and the three years, if them, them three years that he was injured and whatnot, has that upset his here and now football ability though? Look, you, you can't say. That's, he, he could have been a well-beater. He could have been the next Messi. I'm, I'm obviously exaggerating. He couldn't have been the next Messi. But no one knows what he could and would have been. Mm. You can only judge it on the here and now because you're not you're not offering a contract to could have, would have, should have. You're offering a contract to the Jack Wilshere that we see now. The, and as I said, the, the issue I, I find with it is that so many people are, uh, are thinking about the injuries. But if you actually look at his injury record for the last last two years I think it's as good as anyone's pretty much apart from one impact injury which kept him out for the back end of the season at Bournemouth and and the first few weeks with us um and to be honest I think Wenger told him in in August that he could, if he found a new club they would let him leave so I don't even think he I think he was probably fit enough to play then they didn't take him on tour but I'm not I'm not overly convinced that was a fitness issue I think that was at that point he was surplus to requirements and and he's worked his way back in but I mean as I said to you guys, my main issue with it is that fans have suddenly decided he's no longer able to play football. As I said a month ago, people, it was give him the arm, or maybe two months ago, it was give him the armband when people thought he was going to sign a new contract. Make him captain. He should be playing every week. He should be mm. this. He should be that. We put a oh, poll on it, suddenly. didn't we? Yeah. And, yeah. and then suddenly, people are giving him, when we done our ratings and all three of us done them and obviously the plug done them and a couple of other people, a couple of followers and anyone that gave him above a six was getting hammered, absolutely hammered. And it was like, hang on, had you done this two months ago? And let's be clear, he's not been bad in them two months. He's been far from bad. He's not been excellent, but he's not been bad. Most people would have been giving him a seven or eight. So I just, for me, it just, it's just annoying that people are judging on his ability, judging his ability on whether or not he's signing a contract. I don't think that does you any favours. And it's the same way that uh, people hate Ramsey at times. And, and that will come around again, the, the hate for Ramsey, when his contract becomes a, a lot clearer. It's just, for me, judge the player, not the whether they've signed a bit of paper or not. Schwinn, I'll go to you. Um, not that you can make much of the contract news or situation, but I was reading... Um, and a couple of media's reports were coming out of saying Jack Wilshere and Ramsey, and we haven't even gotten to Ramsey yet because he's still got, what, a year or something going on his contract. But apparently them two um, together don't fit in Arsenal's plans for next season. I, that would make sense to me. Uh, I mean, we've seen Aaron Ramsey and Jack Wilshere play together Um uh, a bit more, you know, in the past few months, but it just doesn't feel right. Um, you know, we did beat Milan and, you know, there was some good connections there, but let's be honest, when it comes to the league, I don't think 
you know, there's enough there. I think uh, even when you pair that with, with Grand Chaka, then then it means Mesut goes on to the wing. And I don't think that's what Arsene Wenger prefers. I think it's a gamble when it comes to both these contracts. And I think we put our chips in the Anna Ramsey basket when it comes to the club and w- what the the brass wants there. And we're taking Jack Wilshere for granted. I think that, that that's what is, is happening right now. It's a tough situation, and you know we have, of course don't want to repeat of the Alexis situation where we let another player run his contract out. So, again, I mentioned last time that you know we need to strengthen our corporate portfolios because I cannot imagine why we don't want to pay Jack that extra twenty, thirty grand. It's it's not a whole lot for a club of Arsenal size. So maybe we're trying to make things happen, and you know, you know, behind the scenes, so that we can get some more cash infusion and you know make sure that we can give the contracts that the players are wanting, but. With each passing day, you cannot help but imagine that Jack has to make a decision uh, for for his future, and uh, we we might let the you know the boat sail on this one. Uh, I fear, and uh, Tony's been saying for for a few weeks, if not a couple of months now, that he has a feeling that Aaron Ramsey is going to leave, and it's going to be a very tough situation. You know, we need at least four midfielders in that position. Jaka and Eleni make two of them, and. You know, I could see us holding on to, uh, wanting to hold on to both, but the way things are going, th- there's a possibility that we might lose Aaron Ramsey and Jack Wilshire. So, considering how many places we need to re- reinforce in um, in the summer, losing both of them potentially would be a massive, massive loss. So let's hope we can pull our shit together and at least get one of them signed up. Tony, I'm going to draw a long bow here, um, and you can call me a fucking idiot or whatnot. <laughs> but hypothetically, have Arsenal planned life without Wenger? They've organised the new manager and spoke to the new manager, what's your plans? And he said, Jack or Ramsey or both don't fit into my plans moving forward. No. Um, the the Ramsey situation is completely out of our hands. And I said... I know Schwinn said a couple of weeks, maybe months. I remember it was in December when I first said I think he'll leave. And I remember Schwinn was quite shocked. Um, It's completely out of our hands. And I've said this before, and people either don't believe me or some do. There's Ramsey, pretty much every team in world football would have Ramsey. So there's no way any potential manager, if we are at that stage, which I don't think we are at that stage with, uh, with any manager in terms of discussing players. And also we are moving towards a European model where, the manager doesn't necessarily pick the players in his squad. He picks the team, but he doesn't choose the ins and outs or the outs. He has a bit more of a say in. Uh, so, but we're not at that stage with any manager. And if you look at one of the clubs that are heavily linked to to Jack is Juventus. And the manager I would say we're probably most heavily linked with is Allegri, who's the Juventus manager. So I, I don't think even if that was the case that we was at that far advanced stage with a manager, um, that they were they were saying who they did and didn't want. I don't think that would that would even make sense in that way either, um, because as I said, I think for on a free, which Jack is going to be a free for any club, it'd also be a free for Arsenal because he's already there. There's no there's no transfer fee. I think on a free, I, I don't think there's many people that would turn Jack down, and that's essentially what a, a manager coming in would have to choose: is do you want to keep this guy for without having a transfer fee? And I think 99.9% of managers would say yes. With Ramsey, it's a bit different. I think everyone wants it. Like everyone at the club wants him and wants to keep him there, but he's still not responding to the contract offer. 
there is issues with his agent, which is a bit complicated. I'm not entirely sure how it's going to be resolved um, because his agent was working for a company and he left to set up on his own. And Ramsey is technically with the company, but he only worked with one agent within that company. And Ramsey has apparently openly said, I'm staying with my agent, so I'm going to go to his new company. But I can't, he can't go till the end of this season when his contract with that agency runs out. So that means he's not discussing anything to, until the summer. That's what he's said. Okay, that makes sense. Whether that's a, lo- whether that's a load of bullshit, hmm. you'll never know. Because a player will always tell, you, tell the club what they want to hear. It's the same way with, with Ox last year. And I know we didn't do these podcasts then, but... For the whole of last summer, I was saying Ox is gone because I knew exactly the game that they were playing with Arsenal. They kept telling them he's going to stay, he's going to stay, and they were trying to keep everyone happy. Um, but he never, he had no intention of staying. Mm. So what worries me is with that Chamberlain incident, is Ramsey doing the same thing? And he's just saying, I'm not ignoring your contract offer. I just can't speak at the moment because I've got some agency issues. And then by the time the agency issue is resolved, it's too late and you end up selling him. That, that's my worry. I'm not saying it's fact, but that's my worry. I've seen it happen too many times before. Yeah. Um, um, yes or no, Ramsey yes and Wilshere, can they play on the same team together? Yes. Okay. Right, I, I asked you a question um, yesterday, and I know we're an Arsenal podcast, but we discussed the fact, and we've discussed it here a few times, that we need a goalkeeper. Uh, Spooner's probably on the way out. Check is possibly another year to go. I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, Butland name comes up, but we're looking at, what, 50, 40, 50, 60 million or something. And I asked the question to you, Tony, if Stoke get relegated, would his price come down? Um, So I would say they're probably going to be, they're looking between 30 and 40 million. Okay. For him, uh, that's the price I, th- I think they would they would accept. I don't think going down makes a hell of a lot of difference. It may make maybe a five five million pound difference. Um, you've got to just look at recent examples. Look at Pickford. Sunderland went down, and everyone was having the same conversation, and he still went for what well, I think it was thirty million in the end, give or take. It might have been twenty nine. It might have been thirty one. But it was give or take thirty million, um, and and they had gone down, and they don't have anywhere near the money that that Stoke have. Uh, the parachute payments for the Premier League are so big now that I don't think it will be a huge issue. If the player kicks up a massive, massive fuss, uh, then it can affect the fee. But I think where everyone knows he's going to be going anyway, I don't think him kicking up a fuss would make much of a difference. So, as I said, it may make them going down if they do, and I hope they do, uh, may make a very, very minimal difference. But I, I don't think... It's not like... A few years ago, where going down was like a huge, it made a huge difference uh, to, to players' values. I don't think it does so much anymore, um, just because of the amount the Premier League pay uh, to their relegated sides. Um, I don't think we'll go after him anyway. I, I like him, but I don't think we'll go after him anyway. Mm. But yeah, I don't think his price will be overly affected. Okay, another name that I I've admired I, I, as a player um, the last couple of seasons for Stoke is Shakiri. And and I actually started thinking, what would she, what would Shakiri be worth, and would he fit in an Arsenal squad if Jack or somebody was to go? Not as a not as a first team player, more of a squad player like El Nani. But but then, would he be happy with that? Um, 
he's had that. I mean, look, he's done that at Bayern. So I'd imagine with uh, with his age and what he's done previously in his career, he wouldn't. I mean, I, I, I like him, but I wouldn't have him at Arsenal. Um, mm. There was a time when he was younger, when he, not. I'm not saying he's not improved, but he looked he looked very exciting. But having seen him more of him and watching sort of week in week out with Stoke. Uh, I pre I wouldn't take him. He can only play on the right. He's going to cut in all the time. You sort of know what he's going to do. I, I mean, I I think he's a bit Mares like, but but worse, really. Mm. Um, I, I don't I don't think he's a bad player by any stretch, but I wouldn't have him at Arsenal. I mean, you say that we, we've got no options on the right, and I assume that's something that we'll be we'll be looking at this summer. Uh, would I prefer him to see him on a team sheet than someone like Iwobi? Yes. But I, I wouldn't be looking to go out and sign um, to sign Jonah Shakiri. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just thinking if you got him cheap, if Stoke went down, but you you can that with the Butlin if they do because pro- what would he be worth, Shakiri anyway? I don't know. He's a more difficult one because I think they paid about fifteen for him. Okay. Has he done? I don't know. Has he done anything to enhance that? Probably not. But has he done much to drop that? Probably not. And then you think. The way football's gone with money in the last few years, you can probably add a five or so onto that. So I'd probably say mid to low twenties. But then yeah. it's difficult because you know he's not going to he's not going to play in the championship um, for sure. But then who goes for him? Because he's, he's not a top six player. Mm. You look at Everton and they've I mean they've got midfielders. Not that any of them are any good, but they've got players coming out of their arse. Um, so you kind of look at what where would he go. Mm. Is the and then would that club be willing to play pay um, them that the the twenty fives the twenty millions? Because the, I mean the thing is with Butland, it will hold his price because there'll be a lot of teams interested. I'd assume. Whereas Shakiri, I'm not saying it's because he's a bad player. I'm just saying I don't think there'll be the level of interest because he's not top six. And then you go, as I said, you start looking below that and you go, Burnley aren't going to spend that kind of money. Palace, maybe he's an upgrade on Andros, Andros Townsend. Uh, Watford, Burnley. Any, yeah, uh, again, Watford. You tend to use players from within their little weird triangle. Burnley aren't going to spend that money. Watford could spend that money, but I, I, yeah. I don't think they would. Uh, they've also got Delafeu now, who I know is injured at the moment, but he's very similar in a the sense. They play on the same side of the pitch. Um, so yeah, without getting on too much, so I just yeah. don't, I think he's got a lot less suitors than, than Jack Butland has. Okay. Um, if you got any add on any of that, Schwinn? I'll just add that Leicester could also be a potential destination for him because it seems like Mares has had enough at this moment. I mean, you, I just don't see Mares staying with Leicester at the end of the summer. So if he ends up packing his bags, then they could possibly look into Shakir as well, because I agree with Tony that if they go down, there's no way he's going to stick around. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they could afford him either. So uh, there, there is going to be a little bit of fire sale because they've you know brought in these big names. And I'm, I'm sh- quite convinced that they, they're making decent money. So when you're down in the championship, uh, I don't think you want, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think you want such wage on your books. So he will be gone. Um, and still definitely should get relegated because those that club and that fan base is just pure scum. So let's hope <laughs> they go down and let's hope they never come back. Let's hope they fight relegation the championship perennially and they just never are able to you know get out of that that bracket down there. Um, <laughs> you, you did mention Mares. I, I just I, I honestly don't think he will be an Arsenal target. You'll probably see it in the transfer. 
um, window and whatnot, but I, I personally think that I, I can't see us going for him. And I, I base that on um, Sven, the new the new scout. It just doesn't seem like he's going to go with players within the Premier League. I could be wrong, but uh, Tony might be able to add more on that, but I just I can't see it personally. Uh, I agree. Uh, yeah. I, I completely agree. Sorry, Tony, but I, uh, you know, ever since Sven has come in, we just haven't heard a lot of reports. And, and that's not to say that we're not interested, but it seems like there's more interest in Malcolm and maybe even Usman Dembele if he is kicking up a fuss, which I want to believe, but I'm mm. definitely skeptic of that. So we definitely need a winger. We definitely need a you know winger who can play there on the right side. Uh, we probably prefer a left-footed winger, and you know those two targets seem much more down our lane, uh, considering age and and potential. So I, I am in complete accordance with you there, Tony. Uh, I mean, it depends what. Pro- I, I don't see him coming to us. Um, Leicester won't get the seventy million they wanted for him in in January. Uh, if he is at around 40 million, I, I think a lot of teams would, would be interested. In terms of the the Sven thing, uh, Sven is a head scout. I think people often get very far ahead of ourselves. That doesn't mean that we can't sign players that he hasn't identified or that he has to have to look over every player before we sign them. He doesn't have the final say. So he's not the type... Look, if someone came out and said... Sven has highlighted Riyad Mahrez, you'd go, oh, brilliant, what a scout. Mm. Like, I could have told you that. So the link with him not linking us to, with us not being linked to any Premier League players through him, that's not at all surprising because we know all there is to know about them. He will mainly be linked with either young gems or players in Germany because that's where he's worked. And they will be Sven signings. But it's not saying absolutely everyone we go to sign is going to be something to do with him. Still running this computer thing? Or they piss that off? Uh, as far as I'm aware, they're not using it anymore. Um, but I don't, I, I wouldn't put my house on it, but I'm pretty sure they've, they've canned it. Get a fucking refund for it. And they, may, um, they may use it to look at players that have already been identified. Um, but I don't think they use it to identify players. Hey, I'll send it to one of his other teams. Um, you want to do some questions, boys? Yeah, not much else yeah. to do. Yeah, no, that's about all. Um, we'll discuss that. Well, we can talk about Shaka for a little bit if you want. Uh, you're all right. I'll let you have your orgasm in peace. <laughs> okay, we are Arsenal. Um, I'll ask both of you, Welbeck or Lacquer, who looks good out there today? Um, Tony? Yeah, I feel this question was indirectly aimed at me, so thanks, Tomek. Um I have never, ever, ever once said that Welbeck is a better player than Alexander Lacazette. Not once. I've said I like the work he does when he's up top. Lacazette is a million times a better footballer. Who looked better yesterday? I either feel like you didn't watch the game or you're just trying to make a point because it's very clear that Lacazette was was a hell of a lot better yesterday. Um, but he is a better player. So that shouldn't surprise anyone. Tom Schwinn? Yeah, I agree with Tony, but let's not forget that the game is easier when you're 1-0 up. You know, the game opened up and, you know, Stoke were letting us have a go at it because they they had to go at, have a go at it. So, I mean, it's it's really tough to say, you know, you Welbeck didn't do much, but, you know, Stoke were ran rugged uh, at that point and Lacazette was bright. 
Uh, in terms of the Europa League, I do think we'll see both of them play. I think Welbeck will maintain his position on the left, and Lacazette will just slot in for Aubameyang. So I, I do think both of them will play. Uh, I think Jack is the one who probably might get sacrificed on on Thursday. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see. But, uh, I mean, if you just had to choose one on the day, obviously Lacazette. Well, that comes to our next question from David at David at underscore is on 91. Arsenal play better without Wilshere. It's a fact. Only have to compare the last 15 of today's games compared to the last 75 before he went off. Not only scored more, but our overall play was far better. Tony? Yeah, I mean, it's not a fact. It's literally as far from a fact as you can find. What that is, is called an opinion. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes we were better in the last 15, but as we've said all the way throughout this, there was mitigating circumstances in that they were one more tired and two had to press because we had already taken the lead. So, yes, fact, we scored more goals in the 15 minutes that he was off the pitch than the 75 he was on it. Yes, fact. You can't call it a fact that we are a better team without him. And again, I think this is coming from the the contract thing. This is what I was talking about earlier, that no one was criticising Jack heavily two months ago when everyone thought he was going to sign a contract. Suddenly, when he hasn't signed the contract, it's uh, he's awful. We're, we're a much better team without him. Never needed him. Probably wasn't there since he was nine years old. Everyone's making it up. Uh, it's literally the, the the change of angle is is unbelievable. Yeah, we're a funny bunch of fans, aren't we? Um, and, and you've even got to look at that in the and I don't mean that in a bad way for anybody, but our fan base gets. You know the biggest clicks on a on a media headline. Um, you, you only got to look at the summer transfer window, and all of a sudden, it doesn't matter who or what player it is. But I'm out here in Australia, and everyone's going, "Oh fuck!" Now we're linked to Benzema, and and you know these names just keep coming up. And I think, fuck, we're a, yeah, real fu- real funny fan base like that. So I think I think my point is, why didn't that tweet have exactly the same words? but say we're a much better team without El Elneny. Uh, look at the difference. When Xhaka came on, we scored more goals and played better. You could say that exactly the same tweet, but I've not mm. seen that tweet once, True. but I've seen a lot about Wilshire. Yeah, that, no, that is a good point. Um, Shree says, uh, uh, when did you want to add an egg on that, mate? No, I, I completely agree. I think it's just... I mean, I don't want to accuse anyone of anything, but I think it's just subconscious to an extent. And I think it's very unfair. I mean, when, when Jack scored against Chelsea, uh, you know, no one was questioning his talent. And suddenly, you know, he has not the brightest 70 minutes and, you know, we're up in arms about it. So, again, it comes back to the point of fans having fish memories. And I think this is case in point. Sorry, David, but that's what it feels like, at least. Uh, okay, from Sri. Uh, do you, do you Wenger, and this is for you, Schwinn, do you Wenger keep playing Wilshire in the three behind striker because he doesn't trust Wilshire to have the legs for the deeper position? Uh, it's, it's a very fascinating question. Uh, I think it's more down to rotation. Um, I don't think it's it has anything to do with legs. I think Jack. Everyone can agree that Jack is better suited to a deeper role. Uh, despite his size, I think he he's you know someone who nibbles at you and he you know he'll he'll stay at you. So 
I don't think you can doubt his his qualities uh, when it comes to playing deeper. If anything, you you know, I mean, at least we on this podcast question him playing at, at, at the ten position. So I think it more, it's more to do with having one eye on the Europa League and making sure that you know players are fit when it comes to that competition, uh, and not necessarily doubting Jack in a deeper role because he's definitely better suited, in my opinion, at least in a deeper role. You think that on that time? Yeah, again, I would kind of, for different reasons, I'd say, again, I don't think it's anything to do with legs, but I think if you're looking to get him and Ramsey in the same team with a, a more defensive-minded player like Elneny or Xhaka, you, I, I guess you, you could say legs have got a part to play, but Aaron Ramsey's got a better engine, so you trust him to get more up and down the field. It's not that he doesn't trust Jack in that position, and, and Jack's played in that position many times when uh, when Ramsey was out. But I think... Jack is more suited to a 10 than Ramsey. So if you're going to put them both in the team, you have to play one of them slightly out of position and Jack is more suited to a 10 than Ramsey. Yeah, I don't think we'll get in the debate on whether Ramsey's better than Jack, though, but I do agree with what you're saying. One of them no, that's not, that's not a debate at all. Uh, like, As in, I'm not trying to get into that debate. I'm just saying, if you had to pick one of them to play 10, and I think we've got a question coming up on this anyway, right. but if you had to play one of them, Jack is more suited to 10 and, and Ramsey... Because you lose Ramsey's box-to-box energy if he's playing at 10, which is a big part of his game. Okay. Um, Vish says, Tony, the performance from Arsenal in the first 65 minutes was utterly pathetic. Do we attribute this to being rusty, or were those inbred scums just too organised for us to break down? Yeah, I think a lot of us as fans have just looked at the table and not really given Stoke any credit. And you know on any given day, any team in the Premier League can be difficult to play. I'm not saying they're going to be good. They can be difficult. And uh, yeah, the wording was probably right, in, inbred scum. But, um, oh my, sorry, I'm just watching highlights of the game. I've just seen the best goal line clearance I've ever seen. Sorry, Bristol. If anyone's watching highlights of football data, watch Bristol City's goal line, the goal line clearance that Bristol City defenders just done. It's unbelievable. Uh, anyway, sorry. Um, uh, yeah I think Stoke were as I said they just harried and harassed and didn't give us any space to work in Uh, we weren't good we were very sloppy but I think Stoke probably deserve a little bit of credit which you can then remove for their fans their manager the fact that they're from Stoke um, the fact that they're all inbred so you can remove any credit they deserve because of them things, but they were actually uh, pretty good in the first sort of 50-odd minutes. Okay, and Schwinn Fish goes on and says, would it be wrong of me to have hoped the Bemhiang stomped on Ryan Shawcross's face every time he scored a goal? Personally, I'd like to break both his fucking legs. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um... <laughs> Yeah, anyway, I'll continue on to give the Stoke fans something else to rant about. Their treatment of Ramsey is truly disgusting. So he's a frustrated boy, Vish, but I do see his point. Yeah, who isn't, right? I mean, when you hear those fans singing about Aaron Ramsey, who's, who, let's face it, is one of the most nicest people out there. You know, when he speaks, the way he plays, he's not a dirty player. He's He's... You know, a, a gifted player, one could argue, and he's just a nice person all around. He's a pleasant, pleasant book, and you hear these people uh, giving him shit for for absolutely no reason when they should be keeping shut, uh, considering you know the history there. I think they, they set a really bad example for for young fans and for people tuning in. 
Uh, and it, this is something that you can see from Stoke fans on, on Twitter as well. Our, our good friend, the Texas Gooner, was, was being harassed by a Stoke fan and, you know, being told that his, his children should, should burn hell or something like that because, you know, he said that uh, Aaron Ramsey shouldn't have been abused like that. So I think it, it's it, the inbred word is, is spot on, as Vish said in his earlier question. And I think it's just a really bad example to set for anyone tuning in. And as I said, for the younger fans out there. And he continues on, Vish. <laughs> Did anyone else feel satisfied that we helped Kadem Stoke, Kadem Stoke and Ryan Shawcross to relegation? And I also wondered if Ozil gave Bellerin a telling off in the change room. I don't know if we know that, do we, for sure? It was more of a bit of a joke, wasn't it? But uh, Yeah, so, I mean, look, you say things in the heat in a moment on the pitch, but these things very rarely cross into the changing room, um, especially after a win. And it came at a time, I'm pretty sure it's still nil-nil. There was a lot of frustration. But yeah, there, there would have been nothing come of it. Um, in terms of do we feel good that we've helped get Stoke towards relegation? Of course we do. Well, in a way, as stupid as this may sound, I, I do want them to go down. But our Premier League record against them at home is, I think we've, it's the longest streak of any of any team. We've beat them 12 years in a row at home. So it's like a guaranteed three points every time they come to the Emirates. Saying that, I still do want them to go down because, I, I mean, I just I hate Stoke as a club. I hate the place. It's a shit night out. It's a horrible drive. It's cold. The car park's always full. They've got six fingers each. They all fuck their sisters. It's just a horrible place. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, bloody hell. Okay. Um, I'll take your word for it, mate. Just when you said it's a horrible place to go, it looks like uh, what Wolverhampton, Cardiff City or Fulham, maybe Villa are coming up. Are they better places to go and travel? Uh, So Wolves isn't the best, but it isn't far. Uh, Cardiff, they all shag sheep, but it's closer than Swansea, so it's fine. Um. And then the other one's a playoff place. So, I mean, Fulham's lovely hmm. um, and it's close. But, yeah, the other one's a playoff place, so you never know. But, yeah, Wolves, I've actually not been to Wolves for football because by the time I started going every week, they were already relegated. Um, so, yeah, I've not actually been there for football. Um, Cardiff, I have. It's not too bad. Uh, quite a nice ground, actually, and they can't sell it. So they can't fill it up, so we get a lot of tickets. Um, and then, yeah, and then the other one's a playoff place, so who knows. Hmm. Okay. Um, where am I up to? MAA Gunner. Why does Tez struggle reading questions? <laughs> Good touch. <laughs> um, be honest with you, MAA Gunner. It's fucking two AM here in the morning here, mate. Yeah, I'm just I just roll with it, buddy. And if I'm looking at the phone, I'm sometimes a little bit tired, mate. So just fucking ease up, champ. Okay, um, Glenn Baxter. What a great gesture from Aubameyang to give up his first Arsenal to ask his first Arsenal. I think he's main hat trick to get Lacazette on the goal sheet. Good to see Lacazette back now. To my question, does Lacazette start the CSKA? Tony, we think he said we we, well, we asked the Wendy. Well, Shrim was Shrim, Shrim uh, kind of bring this up earlier, naturally, and I was going to ask, but I thought I'd wait 
What's your 11 for Thursday? Both of you. Okay, well, I, I would say Ospina retains his positions, uh, position, obviously. Kuchelny, Mustafi, uh, Montreal, Bellerin. Shakar, Ramsey, followed by Welbeck on the left, Mkhitaryan on the right, Mesut Ozil at 10, and Lacazette uh, as the lone striker. That's it's pretty much as Schwinn said. Um, yeah, I have to agree. Why? Well, who you got? So I, I think Jack keeps his place, um, especially in in Europe where there's so much emphasis on controlling the ball and a team. You probably look. I mean, they won away at Leon Moscow, so you'd imagine that they won't come and completely park the bus. Um, so we're going to have to look at, at playing a bit of football. And Jack is better at that than Welbeck, clearly. Um, so then the issue comes up front, which is a, a straight shootout between Lacazette and Welbeck. And I wouldn't be surprised to see either one. Um, I think Lacazette done himself no harm yesterday, which will probably get him the nod. I think had yesterday played out differently, then Welbeck would be starting on on uh, whatever day it is, Thursday. My only issue is, and, and well, it's not an issue; it's a headache, I suppose. Is we were we were really good against Milan. Now you could you could beg the differ; they were really bad, and the, and the tactics were were absolutely fucking woeful. Um, so uh, what Ozil, Mkhitaryan, they they played. Welbeck was up front. Uh, Ramsey, Shaka, and Jack were in the mid. So that's that's my only. Headache, I suppose. Um, could, yeah. I mean, something to something to think about as well is, of course, I, I don't know how how Moscow play, but for Milan, Bonucci is an is, is an essential uh, player who starts their attack. So having Welbeck up top definitely helped uh, in terms of you know getting the center backs closed down. Also, Arsene Wenger did say after the game yesterday that. He's not sure whether he's going to start Lacazette. So, I mean, that could be mind games just to keep Moscow guessing. Uh, but after the game, I did happen to check uh, Instagram, and it seemed like Lacazette did have a huge gash uh, on his shin as well. So uh, there, there is a chance that we might not see Lacazette start, which would mean Welbeck as a nine, and which could definitely mean uh, Jack retaining his position. I, I think it's a, it's, it's a toss-up, really. But considering form and considering how much we will rely on Lacazette in the Europa League, I, I think it's it's as good a time as any to give him a start and and get some momentum going because he's definitely probably not going to start in the in the in the Premier League. So if I was in his position and if Lacazette was a hundred percent, I would definitely start him. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for me, the only decision is is who starts up top. I, in my opinion, the the first ten name themselves. And then it's for me the only the only question is Welbeck or Lacazette up front. And he definitely won't go two up front. No, not with them two anyway. No, yeah, I don't think he will regardless. But if he was going to, he definitely wouldn't do it with them two. He'd be do it when Aubameyang is uh, fit. I mean, allowed to play. Sorry. I know nothing about Moscow, so I've never seen them play. I wouldn't even know how they play. I've got nothing. Um, so do you know? Do we need a Welbeck with pace? Um, I, I don't know. I don't. I suppose Wenger would be the man that would have worked that out. So that that's depends on how they set up. Would be how he's how we set up, I guess. 
Well, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that because Arsene Wenger definitely, you know, does his own thing and doesn't necessarily tailor his team a whole lot. What I will say is that the bright, you know, the silver lining here is that if us Arsenal fans who tune in week in, week out are playing the guessing game, then that's going to keep Moscow, uh, the Moscow team uh, guessing as well uh, in, in, into the buildup of the game. So that's always a good sign when you don't know the other team's tactics coming in in that regard. Uh and the first leg is at home, so I, I could definitely see us going in strong and going in for a good result. Uh, I know there's a lot of skepticism around the second leg, but I think in terms of uh, quality, we definitely outclass them, and I, I don't expect anything but a but a solid win, if I'm honest. You know, if um, we look like uh, Wang is damnedy do damnedy don't he? Because if we lose and he starts well back, he's going to get criticised that oh. Fuck, you should have started Lacazette. If he starts Lacazette and we lose, he's going to get criticised. Well, Welbeck's been playing better. I think <laughs> that's the case week in, week out, isn't it? I think we see that almost like, every time on the podcast. You're not going to win. Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say exactly that when, when uh, Schwinn was speaking about him saying it's an advantage that the other team don't know what we're going to do. I agree with that. But if we don't win, people will go, oh, fucking, we don't even know what we're going to do. Mm. Which has, has happened earlier in the season. You've had fans saying, oh, I don't even know how we're going to play anymore. What chance we got? So, yeah. so what that Jeff from Watford doesn't know how we're going to play? Is that, is that, <laughs> I mean. Or well, Tez from Australia. <laughs> yeah, no, the ticket, I agree. Man. I agree. Uh, ticket, man. Uh, hit me up for some tickets. I'll get you some tickets if you want some tickets. Just mightn't be to the Arsenal game, though. Might be to some yeah. fucking carnival or something. But anyway, I'll work something out. <laughs> okay, let's continue with these questions. Uh, Riley or at Kiri Moff the Crop. I like that. Um, would a Europa League final win gloss over all our failings this season, away losses to bottom sides, losing the, to not Forest, etc.? Tony? Um. It's a difficult question because if you end the season with a trophy and in the Champions League, I'll be in Leon if we get there. And if we win it, I'll be absolutely buzzing. And if you can't save a trophy wins in football, then I don't want to say you're in the wrong sport. But, I mean, what do you get excited about? Having said that, we can't forget what we've done this year. So it's uh, for me, it's not a case of oh, if we're in the Europa League, we accept everything that's gone on before, and Wenger stays and everything stays as normal. For me, no, I don't agree with that. But if I can't enjoy a trophy win, or if he is a, whatever the guy's name was can't enjoy a trophy win, or if either of you two or anyone can't enjoy a trophy win, then I don't really know why you watch football. If you can only, if you only appreciate a league win, winning the league, then you're going to have a very unhappy time as a football fan as I mean look in we've won it in in my lifetime I think it's four or five times in apart from United I think in Chelsea if a Chelsea fan was my age I think they've won it three or four times a Tottenham fan who's my age doesn't know what a trophy is so you can't only base a season on the league I accept this season's not been good enough but I, I, I wouldn't say it glosses over anything over everything sorry but it definitely would be something to be celebrated Mm. Schwinn couldn't have said it any better I got excited when we won the fucking FA Cup trophies so I'm going to be fucking pumped I'll be fucking I mean, so the cup final for... last year the cup final against Chelsea last season I wish we was podding then it was it's the best 
I've like ever felt at a football match. I wasn't at the game at White Hart Lane when we sealed the Invincibles, or or I wasn't at uh, when we beat Leicester to to actually finish the Invincible season. But that Chelsea game last year, and look, we'd had a terrible season. We'd not finished in the Champions League, but for that moment, them ninety minutes and and the the, the three hours of celebration after. I was buzzing about everything. As you've just said, you were you was delighted that we'd won the cup and then you was on a high. Yeah. So I think you know, I said trophies Absolutely. and football should always bring a high and if they don't then again I don't want to say you're in the wrong sport, but you're gonna have a very sad time watching it. I, I will say this though, if we win the Europa League, I'll I'll be fucking buzzing. I'll be fucking screaming this podcast down, right? We'll be all buzzing, right? We're in the Champions League. However, <laughs> I still think there needs to be changes for next season. But it's not going to take away on the way I feel. I'm getting excited couldn't, just thinking of winning. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally couldn't agree more. That That's what I'm saying. It doesn't completely gloss over and make you, make you forget everything that's gone on this year. That's not what I'm saying at all. But you have to celebrate in that moment. No. Because as I said, if you, if you don't enjoy that, then I, I don't know what, what you do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't know who said this, but so one of you jump in. Red Fulcrum, uh, in, in the last few podcasts, you said Jack isn't playing in the best position. What exactly is Wenger's plan with that? Uh, I'm assuming it would have been me because I've been banging on about me hating him being a 10 for pretty much since he was born. Um, I I think Wenger's plan with him is that he's trying to fit them all in because they are our best players in terms of Ozil, Ramsey, Jack. They, they are in our best 11 in terms of best 11 players. So he's trying to fit them all in and Ramsey can't really play at 10 where Jack is, I would say maybe competent at 10. So to fit them all in and Ozil's going to do whatever he wants anyway, it doesn't really matter where you put him on the team sheet. So to fit them all in, I think his plan is it's the only way you can play them three together. And it does help a bit that if, if Ramsey has completely bombed on, then Jack does have the football brain to get back in and cover him. Um, so I think the plan is it just gets our best best or better players onto the pitch. I don't think it's he, he thinks it's any stroke of genius, but I can't see another way that you get Ramsey, Jack, Meza and a holding midfielder, be it Xhaka or, or Elneny, all onto the pitch. I can't see any other way that that, that fits. How would you like to see us line up in that attack each week in the league? What, what's difficult is that we're so blunt wide. We've got no one wide, so well, we I'd still say, haven't replaced say, Walcott, have we? No, we haven't. We haven't. Uh, I think me and Schwinn discussed this before. I can't remember the last time we had a we had a proper winger. Um, but so I think that in our strongest eleven, you'd say Mickey in there somewhere. And, well, and he's, got to go le- he's got to go left. Yeah, but so then if you put Ozil at 10, then you're really struggling out wide on the right. Whereas if you move Ozil right where he's okay and he's going to roam anyway, then it shoehorns Jack into 10. And as I said, I'm not a fan of Jack at 10, but I'd prefer Ozil right and Jack at 10 than, than Iwobi or Welbeck wide with Mickey the other side and Ozil at 10. And I think that's pretty much what Wenger's going on, that he would prefer a competent Jack at 10 rather than Iwobi wide or Welbeck wide. And then Shaka and Ramsey tuck in beyond. Yeah. Schwinn? Mm. It's a very tough one because 
uh, as Tony very correctly said, we just don't have any white players. And if we do go out and, and you know, bring some in, um, I don't know how, how Jack features, uh, if I'm honest. I think Shaka and Ramsey uh, retain their position. Again, this is assuming that Ramsey's still around. And I think Method Ozil slots into the, the number 10 role with McKee on the left. So uh, I, I don't know what what's going to happen, but... In terms of what Wenger's plan is at the moment, it, it, I think Tony's spot on that it's about getting the best ball players um, onto the field. Uh, you know, say whatever you have to say about Jack playing in a ten or a deeper role. He he's a gifted player on the ball. He can find a pass and uh, he's elusive as well. I think yesterday he did show that in moments. So it's going to be hard to forecast where things go from here, considering the contracts, but. Uh, have not having those wingers is really putting us in a fix and I definitely hope that there's going to be some changes uh, when it comes to that Tony just quickly um, I think by memory when we had Kevin Campbell on he said Lacazette with a Bermian someone's got to adapt and might have to adapt to play on that left so we've got Lacazette a Bermian Jack um, Mkhitaryan could Jack or Lacazette I suppose, um, or even Aubameyang, he'd more go on the left, but I'd prefer Aubameyang up, playing up top. So could Jack or Lacazette adapt this style of play to play as the right wing? Uh, Jack's previously played on the right, and when he first broke through, not into the first team, but like when he started playing in the friendlies and when people first became aware of him, he actually played on the right wing because of his size, because he was too small to play in the middle. Um he can play there. I guess what Wenger thinks at the moment is, as I said, Ozil's going to drift anyway, and he is probably better on the right than Jack. Um, just more because I think it. I think Jack helps us defensively centrally, um, whereas Ozil probably wouldn't as much. Uh, so look, Jack could play there. Jack's played first team games there. I remember he scored at West Brom away. Um, we drew one all, and Jack played on the right. So he can. But again, it's square pegs and round holes. I think if Lacazette mm. was to play wide, it would be left, not right. Yeah. Uh, but then, so then again, Mkhitaryan could play right, can't he? Yeah, Mickey could play right. But again, he's he's a bit like he's a bit like Ozil, and I've said this pretty much every week that we've done the pod since we signed Mkhitaryan. I'm still not sure if I like or dislike that. I don't know where he's going to turn up on the pitch in terms of you can say you can look at a team and say, oh, he's playing on the right today, but. It doesn't seem to mean a, mean a damn thing. He turns up absolutely anywhere, and it's the same as, as Mesut does. It does make them incredibly hard to mark and incredibly hard to plan to play against them, but it also exposes us defensively because they could both be over the same side, and if the other team get a quick switch or break down the other side of the pitch, there's no midfield there. So it is a hard one with us, and I think Lacazette would probably have the same issue. If you was to play uh, Mkhitaryan, Ozil and Lacazette or Aubameyang behind Lacazette or Aubameyang they would literally just have the defensive unit would be the back four and the fullbacks would have to push on because both the wise men would tuck in and then one defensive midfielder so I don't think it would really make sense I think the, the what Wenger likes about having Jack in there is you remain so, you, you, you have some discipline mm. in terms of defensively it's a fucking big head, a headache because as you're talking I'm just thinking at some point, and and a lot of people have been calling for it. Abemayang and Lacazette, they want them both up top. And then I'm thinking, how, how do you how do you run? So so that if they 
them two are playing up top, then where do you go? I would, I would imagine just Mickey, just Mickey and, and Ozil wide, but it leaves you very little width, which your fullbacks would then have to provide, and it leaves you horribly exposed defensively, which is why next to no one plays a, a two up top anymore. I saw, it wasn't on our Twitter, but I saw some other people debating this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. And when someone said, oh, no one plays two up top, they went, oh, but Juventus do, and they're good, and Barcelona do, and they're good. But Messi drops off into more of a 10, and Messi's Messi. Mm. And Dybala does the same thing for Juventus. It is a two up top, but it's a bit of a, I don't know, there's no real word for it, like, like a false two. It's like sort of playing two up top when we had Burkham. He, he was a 10. By, if, if Burkham was around now, no one would call him a striker. But in them days when football was less analysed, it was two up top. It was mm. Omri and Burkham or Wright and Burkham. But if that was the way now, I don't think anyone would call him a striker. Mm, it's fucking big headache. Um, if anyone's got any ideas on any of that, you can uh, tweet us in for sure at clockn underscore talk because I'm, I'm always interested for ideas and things so, and discussions. Um, let's continue on. A couple more questions, three more. Um, the Prophet Guna Schwinn, if Wenger was to stay next season, do you think we'll be able to get top four and he says again. I mean, he's, I think he's reminiscent of the glory days, which were, you know, finishing anywhere <laughs> in the top four. Yeah. Uh, I would like to think so, because I do think he's going to stick around, especially if you have a, a, you know, if you win the Europa League. We do need reinforcements. I think there's no two ways about it anymore. Center back, uh, winger are definitely priorities for me. And uh, if possible, a goalkeeper. Uh, I know uh, you two are quite desperate for a new goalkeeper, but I think we can still hold off for one more year uh, when it comes to that position. But a center back and a winger for me are very, very important. I don't know if if we be able to, if I'm honest, but I would like to think so. Uh, what gives me a little bit of hope is that I think the Tottenham team is going to sort of disband. Uh, I think some of their players are going to, uh, you know, look for greener pastures. And there seems to be a, little, a lot of tension around Chelsea at the moment too. Conte seems to be, uh, you know, almost at the exit door. And th- there might be some changes there uh, when it comes to personnel. So that gives me a little bit of hope. But... I mean, it's it's such a far-fetched question that obviously I don't have a solid answer. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, personally, that's the challenge I'd be looking at. I, I I've had enough. I, yeah, I'm not a winger out, but respect the man, love the man for what he's done at Arsenal. But uh, we need to move on to a new era um, with a new manager. So I personally would be disappointed if he stays on next season. Um. Uh, Tony Jonas 82 which player of the current squad do you think could improve the most under a different manager Um, it's a tough one I think a lot of people would say Hector but I don't really see it in him but then that will come as no surprise to regular listeners Um, I think I think Xhaka has a very high ceiling that he's not that he's not achieved consistently I think if Xhaka played uh, how he has for the last four or five matches for 20 or 30, everyone would, would say he's brilliant, blah, blah, blah. So if he happened to do that under another manager, I don't know, do you class that as improvement? Because he's clearly got it in him. It's just it's just getting him to do it. And Wenger gets him to do it seemingly in short bursts. But 
we need to do it long term. If, if someone could get the Xhaka of the last four or five weeks over a whole season, I think that would be pretty much the best improvement you could get in our squad. But I don't think that would be particularly improving the player. It'd be getting consistency out of the player. Mm. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I think he, yeah, I, well, it's not an improvement more so. It's it's consistency. So that's what I'd like. like so um, definitely got it in him though for sure. Um, Schwinn, last question from Big Bad Wolf. Will Allegri or Lowe at the helm at the start of next season and the possible incomings to the team, do any of you believe we will be actually challenging for the title or is it season 19 or 20 more realistic target? I think he's almost giving me an out there with that question. And I, uh, <laughs> I think I agree with him there. Any, for any incoming manager, it's going to be a little hard. You know, it's, it's a new league. It's, it's very different than most of the other leagues out there. Uh, w- what gives me a little bit of solace almost is the fact that our players right now are very well known because of how single-dimensional we are, for lack of a better term. Everyone knows how an Arsenal Wenger team sets up and what they try to do out there. So they know these players. Under a different manager, that's going to be the different. So I do want to give the benefit there, uh, which you know, which might work in our favor. But uh, the English season is just so long uh, and so rugged that it it will prove it will prove difficult. So I think nineteen twenty is pro- definitely a better uh, forecast if you're a betting man. Tony, yeah, I don't think we've got a cat's hope and hell's chance of winning the league next year. Uh, purely because I don't think it's all the manager. I don't think our team's good enough. I don't think our squad's good enough. Um, as I've said on here many times, I look at the squads of the teams above us or the, the 11s and I think they're all probably better than us. Mm. Um, so there is improvement to be made. Um, a new manager could, and I say could, potentially improve us. We expect them to improve us, but it's not a given. Um, but take it, to taking us from from SIP, which it looks like it will be, um, to, to champions, I think is unrealistic. The issue we have here is Conte's ruin that theory for everyone because he took a 10th place Chelsea to champions, but that 10th place had completely given up. And they still actually, if you looked at the squads, they were still on paper as good as everyone else. They just weren't performing. Uh, with us, I look at our squad and I don't think we're as good as the others. You mentioned Conte. I, I think he's on the outer and I personally... Oh, <laughs> I think I think uh, he'd be good good fit at Arsenal. Whether he'd come straight over, I don't know. Mm. Okay, boys. Um, quick prediction for Thursday, Tony. Fucking Same as always. Ten nil, aren't you? Uh, Schwinn. Three nil to the Arsenal. Three nil. Okay, I'm going to go now. These guys, farmers, or what? No. <laughs> they're not, right. No. They're, they're not a basil or a fucking whatnot. Okay, I'm going to go. No, so they've got, yeah? They've got, they've got Ahmed Musa, who's on loan from Leicester. Leicester paid, I think, 15 or 20 million for him last year. Um, Alan Zagoyev's a good player. He plays at, like, number 10 for them, and he's he's always linked with everyone, but I think he's one of them that will just stay in Russia his whole career. Mm-hmm. Um I think Akinfei is still there. I'm not sure. I've not looked properly, but there's, they're not all like completely. It's not like playing the Ostlands where I didn't know any of their players. Like a few of their players are known. They'll be at the World Cup. Quite a lot of their players will be at the World Cup. Okay. Well, in that case, I will go. Uh, we're playing over there. I'll go two-one Arsenal. 
Um, we're at home. We're at home, are we? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll go three, three. Yeah, I'll go three nil. And when that, when we're over there, sure. I think that's what we'll struggle. Sorry, Schwinn. Hmm. No, I was going to say cheers, buddy. I mean, the same grapevines tank alike. So I guess we're 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 onto something here. Why didn't we get some Russian fucking clan to get on? That would have been fun. Trying to work out yeah. what he was saying. <laughs> okay, um, is that it, boys? Uh, yeah. I think we have a couple more questions, actually. Right. Uh, yeah, just swing, because before we start recording, we have. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll ask you guys. Uh, our first question is from Crypto. Uh, he asks, do you guys think Obama Yang and Lacazette can play together? <clears throat> I'd like them to, but I just don't know how it's going to work out. I, two up top, leaves, no. Nah, oh, no, so the answers are no. Yeah, uh, I think we've been over this quite a lot, haven't we, Tony? Yeah, I, I think they can play together. I, I don't think we can play two up top, but I think they can play together. Okay, I think this makes for uh, a little more interesting conversation to wrap things up. Uh, Tez, I'll start with you. Who do you think is going to win the Champions League? This is from MWE Gunner. Sorry about that. Who do I think is going to win the Champions League? Um, my head says Barcelona. My heart says Roma. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Love okay, it. So, Tony? So Tez's heart's a liar. Um, <laughs> It's a bit, I saw this question come in, and I'm only really focused on this week. I think there's some really good tyres. Um, I've not I've not really pieced it out. I think every I don't know what it's like in, in either of your countries, but everyone here seems to be back in Liverpool to beat City over two legs, which I'm not going along with. I think City will beat Liverpool. I think Real Madrid will beat Juve over two legs. Is it Barca Roma? Yeah, Barca Roma. Yeah, so I think Sevilla Bayern. I think Roma and then Bayern have got uh, Sevilla. So. I'd be going Bayer, Barca, Real, Man City as the semis, and I wouldn't like to say who'd win it until the draw. No, so I think I have splinters in my ass. <laughs> I I think if if City can get uh, get through this tie, then then they'll win it. But I don't think they will, and I think Barcelona is going to take it. So those are the last think two questions. Liverpool will beat them over two legs. I think they just that that hump from Anfield. I think that they're still carrying that, and I think if there's one team that is willing to go toe to toe with them, uh, and and do have some firepower and form right now, it's it's Liverpool. Um, City did play really well against Everton, though. I don't know if you guys caught that first oh, half. Outrageous. City were unstoppable. I don't think I've seen a half of football like that in, in recent memory. So uh, they do have something in their back there, but. I think Liverpool will come to play, and over two legs, uh, I do fancy Liverpool just a little bit. That Does that much. mean you think Liverpool will win it if they go through? No, I think B- Barcelona will will have their day. Uh, you know, whoever they play, I think Barcelona is going to have it. But I think if Pep Guardiola comes up against Barcelona, then he might have some some answers to the questions they usually ask. Fair enough. You know, Sevilla. This is the furthest they've gone in about ten years or something. I was reading a stat the other day. Yeah, well, they're usually in the Europa League, aren't they? They yeah. won Europa League, isn't it? Yeah, so their home form, their home form is brilliant too. I mean, I don't think they've uh, you know had a loss there in a, in a really long time, and they just played Barcelona this past weekend. And if it weren't for two late goals, they were they were going to win the game two 0 So there's something there, but again, just over two ties, 
but I just fancy Bayern there. I think most most players, most people do. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd love to see him beat Bayern. Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, Juventus, Real Madrid. So, who do you say there, boys? For me, Real Madrid. It's not. It's not an easy one, but I just I, I find it very hard to bet against the team of Cristiano Ronaldo in it, essentially, because you know over the two legs he'll score at least one and probably mm. provide at least one. If he doesn't, if he doesn't score two over the two legs, he'll get a goal and assist. And mm-hmm. I think if you, you basically not you over two legs, giving him a two 0 head start because you know he's going to be going to score. Are you thinking Real, Real Madrid Barcelona final? Uh, I don't know. As I said, it all depends on the draw. Yeah, next draw. Mm. Hey, do you go Schwinn, Juventus or Real? Uh, just to break the monotony, I do fancy Juventus a little bit. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big Dybala fan, and I'm also a big Allegri fan. Um, I think over two legs, uh, it's obviously going to be a challenge, and if I were a betting man, I'd definitely be putting my money on Real, but uh, I do want to see Juventus, uh, you know, break, get over this and, and you know, get to the final. Mm. Well, the semis, actually, first, then to the final, perhaps. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I follow Roma and Barcelona. Uh, I follow them with interest. So it's a fucking real tough game, that one, for me. It really is. Um, but I think Barcelona will win it. But, geez, I'd love fucking Roma. Wouldn't that, oh, wouldn't that be awesome if they got to the final? I could fucking have a wank over Shaka and Roma in one fucking week. Well, okay. <laughs> Christmas does come early for Taz. <laughs> okay, um, is that all we got, Swin? That's about it. That's about it. No worries. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Uh, you, we're going to be back on on Friday, lads, after the Europa yep. League game. I probably yes, I probably won't be able to make that one, but I haven't told you boys that yet. So um so anyway we'll work something out. But yeah, thank you for listening, thank you for downloading and we'll speak to you later during the week and up the arsenal. Yes. Yes.